All right, you're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. On today's show, Erica Nakamura and Jocelyn Guest, butchers and co-owners of the new White Gold Butcher Shop on the Upper West Side, opened by Ken Friedman and April Bloomfield of Spotted Pig fame. I talked to Erica and Jocelyn about this whole new school craft butchery movement, uh, what that means, and why it's so good for food lovers everywhere. Also, guys... We have an exclusive offer for podcast listeners. For a limited time, you can gift a one-year subscription of Bon Appetit Magazine for only $12. 12 bucks. How can you not do that? Plus, you'll get a really cool Bon Appetit tote bag, and it comes in a snazzy Bon Appetit gift box. It's the perfect present for the cooks and food lovers in your life. Start shopping now at bonappetit.com slash giveba. All right, here we go. It's Erica and Jocelyn. I'm going to be honest. I thought you guys were going to come bearing meaty snacks. <laughs> Next time, <laughs> yeah. for sure. But like just stacks of ribeyes and... Right, all the bacon in the world. Yeah, like the really thick stuff, like the yeah. slab bacon. I just love the phrase slab bacon. I mean, I definitely have people come up to me and be like, I'll have a slab of bacon. And I'm like, how thick? How many... Pounds. How slabby. What do you, yeah. And they just, I feel like they think it's like this universal weird term for like a half inch or an inch. Is know. that a big part? Of, it seems like a big part of being a good butcher. And I love going to the butcher shop. So I'm very excited about this podcast. Let me just say that. Sweet. Um, <laughs> is um, cultivating a relationship with the customers and sort of helping them and educating them. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think when a lot of people go in a butcher shop, well, there's two kinds of people. There's the kind of person that's like, I know exactly what I want. I really don't want to talk that much. I need to get home and start cooking. And there's another person that's like totally confused and needs a little handholding. So I think with those kind of people, you need to just sort of be able to gently guide them and tell them what like they want. Like what's your want. technique? You know do what you I ask mean? them questions? You let them ask you questions? How do you sort of get to that sort of common goal? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I usually start with like bone in or bone out, you know, and then like fatty or lean. How do you want to cook it? You know, what do you think, Erica? Yeah, I think how do you want to cook it? Or, you know, do you have a recipe that you're already working with is a really solid place to start. And then, you know, I mean, people have their own personal taste, right? So you really have to be able to read between the lines in terms of what they're actually looking for. Yeah. Well, how often does someone come in and they just have no idea? And like, you're like, okay. Let's let me let me break this down for you. I would think maybe like forty to fifty percent of the really? time, people are like, "Huh, yeah, <laughs> but this is so cool," you know. Yeah, they'll say, "I want to make steak tonight," and you're like, "Okay, what kind of steak?" And they're like, "I, I don't know, steak, steak, yeah. steak." Right, and then like it's red steak. <laughs> it's like, okay, bro. But also, like, how many people are you feeding? Yeah. is a really big question, you know, because you certainly don't want to sell like two people a whole filet mignon right like a, no. an entire thing so there's different questions to kind of get people excited and you know a little ice breaking a little joking can go a really long way who's the better people person between the two of you in terms of customers i think it depends on the day <laughs> <laughs> yeah that might be right um i think i don't know for the most part i think jocelyn you're pretty fantastic with people 
you know, well. you're very approachable. So I think like, that's well, great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I tend to get very uh, overly informative. And that can actually like either then they're just confused, right? Or they lose, you know, focus really quickly. You just start getting like a glazed over look. So, so I moved to New York about 22 years ago. Um, and in the West Village, there's a couple of shops, uh, Florence Meat Market on Jones Street, and then oh, around yeah. the corner, Oda Manelli, both of which been around for decades and decades and decades. And it seemed 20 years ago that, oh man, like this whole butchering thing is kind of a dying craft. Like there was yeah. a lot of celebrity chefs and everyone wants to be on the food network, but no one was studying to be a butcher. And, and, and I was worried that like, oh, this actually might go away. And then all of a sudden it didn't. And, and it's a thing now. And I'm just confused. Like how did you guys get into it? Well, uh, I actually have a background as a line cook as well. Um, but I've always been pretty like prep heavy. I really like to, you know, do things with my hands and, um, find it a lot easier to kind of do like very intricate work as opposed to being on the line. So I was always kind of, and on the know, line, it's just fast and hectic and hot and right. boom, 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 over and over and over. Exactly. And I'm very detail oriented. So I really like to take my time and, you know, make things look really beautiful. Um, and in the course of that, I ran into butchery, in the kitchen, um, which was at Blue Hill Stone Barns. Okay. Um, and that's, you know, it was one of the original kitchens that really had whole animals lying around, right? So um, I started to be able to help out with that a little bit and then soon decided to take on an apprenticeship. So, so at Blue Hill, was there a full-time designated butcher, one person who was in charge of butchering everything? Yes, there was. Um, but, you know, they still needed an extra set of yeah. hands or sometimes, you know, on, on the butcher's day off or whatever, I get to kind of play around. So. And were you, did you apprentice with that butcher or someone else? No, I um, apprenticed at Fleischer's with Josh okay. and Jessica Applestone. And that up in upstate New York? Yes, yeah. upstate New York. And you really do, I'm, that's what I'm getting at. To be a butcher, you have to study. You, yeah, you, definitely. You really have to, and it seems like there's a Absolutely. ton to learn, no? Yeah, there certainly is. I mean, anything from anatomy to sourcing to, you know, appropriate cooking methods. I mean, it's kind of endless. And so, Jocelyn, like in terms of what about in different animals? Like, okay, I, now I've kind of got a handle on cow, but, oh, I need to learn rabbit now or I need to learn lamb. Like, ton to learn, right? Yeah, I mean, so I actually apprenticed with Erica in Los Angeles, and I, the first time she I had a knife in my hand. I was a complete moron. Like, I couldn't figure out left or right because I'm, like, kind of ambidextrous. And I, like, cut every finger, I think, the first week probably. Maybe. But the cool thing about it is, like, all four-legged animals basically have the same anatomy. Right? Yeah, so, so there is commonality. Yeah, totally. So it's, like, you usually cut through the same joint, uh, like, taking off a ham on a pig or taking off a whole leg of lamb, right? So kind of you go, like, smallest to biggest sort of, right? So like start at lamb, then you do pigs, mm -hmm. then you do steer, um, which makes it a little easier, I think. It's just like with beef, once you get there, you take the muscles kind of further. You see them out a little bit more for different yeah. steaks. I mean, I, I so I go to Florence, meet Mark a lot, and I love just, as I'm ordering, just standing there watching the guys work. And, just, and, and at that point, though, they're dealing with cuts, and maybe they've got like a rack of of, of beef, aged beef, and they're kind of peeling off the sort of the grizzled right. fat, and then they're sawing through it, and they're breaking it into ribeye steaks and boneless ones. But before you get to that, like you guys are talking about, you're taking apart an animal. Yeah. And like, did that freak you out at first? Like, oh, here's a whole lamb or a whole pig with the head or this or that or legs. I'm taking a leg off. 
I actually was a vegetarian for about eight years. See, so, that's weird. Yeah, that's definitely weird. But I would like to think that that informs me in a very different way as a butcher. So, you know, I care a little bit more about, you know, making really pretty, pristine cuts and, you know, roasts and stuff. So um, it's definitely a little weird to see it out of context. But, you know, it goes from being alive to meat in such a short amount of time that, you know, once you can identify it as meat and then you can cut it into the appropriate parts, it just, I don't know, there's so much of like a rewarding kind of creative element to it that I find really pretty exciting. As this whole sort of new wave of sort of, I I like to say we're in kind of this golden age of new butchery uh, with places like Dixon's, Farm Sand at at Chelsea Market, which you worked at, Jocelyn, correct? Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, you guys are Lindy and Grundy out in LA, you have Fleischer's, White Gold, your new place. Um, one thing that's interesting, there's always like these quote unquote new cuts. I'm like, oh, have you had like a flat iron steak or something? Obviously, right. these are not, they're new, but they've always been there. Is are, or is it just that you, you're butchering the muscles differently or were these cuts being used for ground beef or something prior? Or where, like, where does a new cut come from? I mean, I think a lot of it is branding at the end of the day, right? Like you, you name something like the Denver steak or the Las Vegas strip or whatever it is. Like, I think for OG butchers, they were like, yeah, no, that's this muscle. And they use like the Latin terms or something. Right. Uh. But I think largely in like old school packing houses, a lot of that meat would just go into trim, right. For ground beef. Well, yeah. I mean, what American doesn't love a hamburger, right? Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, um, the Beef Checkoff Council, which is a part of, uh, you know, the USDA and kind of like the beef board and all that stuff, like they are really into remarketing these cuts, right? To well, get gets, people. Gets people excited. Right. You're like, exactly. So flat that's- iron steak. <laughs> what is a flat iron steak? I have no idea. Do you guys know? Or is yeah. that just a New York thing? It's no. actually, it's the top blade of a steer. Um, and it's super duper tender. It's also known as a chicken steak if you don't take the the membrane out of the middle and you cross cut it. So, so where before it became a flat iron steak, I said, was it a steak or was it attached to something else that was sold? At, yeah, that's what I don't understand. It was probably like a people used to use it for chicken fried steak because right. there's like this oh. big honking tendon inside, and yeah. you just like tenderize the crap Pound, out of yeah. it and then get after it. But like even among these new butcher shops, like when I left Lindy and Grundy and went to Dixon's, everything was a different name. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it's almost like a, a, a New York versus LA. Well, in LA we call it this. Well, in yeah, New York we call it that. Exactly. And at Dixon's, it was more like South American names. I, I mean, I think that there are some universal terms, and I tried to stay as neutral as possible. Although, you know, like in LA, people are really after that tri-tip. Where in New yeah, York, you don't get tri-tip. Exactly. But it. But obviously, that that must. It's got to be somewhere. But but or do we just send all the tri-tips out west? <laughs> Where are the tri-tips in New York? Are they just called something else, you know? That's what I'm they, trying to figure they out. They are. Well, at your favorite um, Florence's, right? Yeah. They take a tri-tip and they cut it a little differently and they call it the Newport steak. Oh, see, I was going to bring up the Newport steak. And that that's like their house steak. And you're like, wow, it's so affordable. And they named it because it's shaped yep. like the Newport cigarette logo. Oh, which I didn't know that. if you look at the Newport, huh. the Newport cigarette, if you're into methylated <laughs> cigarettes, um, it's kind of like a backwards Nike swoosh kind of. Sure. And when you sit by those steaks, they're sort of curled into kind of a horseshoey sort of pattern. At least I think I'm pretty right. positive that's the story. We'll fact check that. I uh, hope get that's get Anderson the story. Cooper on the fact checking on that. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so there's that jacket of fat on the outside and yes. it kind of curls around. That's also kind of the difference between New York and L.A. Like in New York, you probably have a teeny tiny little stove mm-hmm. in your apartment that you don't want to smoke out every night. So things are a lot smaller format. You know what I mean? Whereas in L.A., everybody has like a beautiful backyard and a grill right. and you well, can that's, that's do a interesting. whole trip. Yeah, I never thought about that because you know, a lot of times people are cooking for two in New York. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, I'm having 10 friends over. We're going to be grilling. And it's March. Exactly. Right. And it's, and it's <laughs> yeah. beautiful out. And they're like, oh, here it's 34 degrees and rainy. Um, all right. So with white gold, can we talk about grass-fed, not grass-fed beef? What's what's the plan at white gold? The plan is to select the most flavorful kind of you know, um, sourcing that we possibly could. So um, grass-fed, for sure, that's kind of at the core of what we believe in. But um, these guys are going to be finished on grain. That's mm-hmm. also grown on the farm. So it's, you know, very full circle. We really like that. All right. I'm trying to come around because, like, a grain-fed dry-aged ribeye is still, it's just like, it's a different, you're like, wow, that's delicious. And you eat a grass-fed ribeye, and it's just not the same. And maybe it's just because I'm so used to eating old school American beef, which is right. very rich. And it's tough to sort of recondition myself. I'm trying. That's certainly true. And I think I've gone through the journey of recondition- reconditioning myself as well. Um, you know, I, I was raised kind of eating very grain fed, you know, pretty fatty meat. Well, you, you grew up um, in Tokyo. I did. Where there is no meat fattier than like the Wagyu and stuff Exactly. Over there. That's like Absolutely. a whole other level. I think grass-fed beef can kind of have more like omega-3s and it kind of, you know, some people even characterize it as fishy, Hmm, right? Um, But once you train yourself to like that, it's actually harder to go back to grain-fed. But what we've found is like a very delicate balance between the two. So while it is grass-fed, the finishing really allows it for like a nice round kind of fairly And so the the cattle eats grain before goes to slaughter and they that grain sort of enriches the beef and introduces some fat to the muscle right and a lot of nice fat coverage on the outside mm-hmm. and it's all free choice like they're not like in a pen you yeah. know like getting shoved grain at them like they put it out and if they want to eat it they eat it so it kind of gives us this like nice sort of spectrum of steer that we bring in and where, where are, are the cattle coming from a number of farms or just one at white gold do you know yet uh, uh just one Up in the Schoharie Valley in Bern, New York. Yeah. All right. If you're trying to sell someone on grass-fed beef who is not a grass-fed beef eater, is there a particular cut you would introduce them to first, you know? Hmm. I know you're going to like this. Try this one. Right. Well, I feel like with that, you kind of want to ease them in. You know what I mean? Like the more of a working muscle it is on a grass-fed animal, it'll be a little grassier, right? Like gamier and gamier. So like a chuck or shank, or anything along those lines. But if you give them something more tender with a little less, like, intermuscular fat, they'll probably have an easier time, I would think. We actually, uh, Brad Leone, our test kitchen uh, manager, was just saying last night, we he, we got some uh, tenderloins, grass-fed tenderloins from Dixon's, and he was remarking how so just delicious they were. And that, that's often a cut that people would knock on the regular side as not being flavorful enough. Mm-hmm. Um but he thought the other. Just, and it's interesting. I was at Chelsea Market the other day. It's also interesting uh, looking at the tenderloins there. They're a lot smaller than a grain-fed tenderloin and all, like a darker red. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yes. I think so. I mean, if you walk into like any given grocery store, your flank steak might be like two feet long. 
You know what I mean? But ours are going to be more like a foot because they're just smaller animals. Like our steers are finishing around 800 pounds. And those guys, the commercial steer can be like much, much more. Yeah. Definitely over a G, right? Yeah. Um, It's interesting. And so you have that sort of taste disparity and sort of richness with grass fed and grain fed. But with pork, and we're seeing such good, you know, heritage breed pork out there. The the heritage, the you know, the healthier, more natural stuff is so much richer and more flavorful. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, and I'm just like, wow, I got like a good, you know, Berkshire pork chop, and it's just like, wow, that was the best thing I've eaten all month. Yeah, I mean, you know, it really goes back to what these guys are being fed. You know, how much water they have access to, uh, how much exercise they get. That's all very important for like, you know, the color right of the muscle yeah. and um, and the ultimate flavor as well, fat quality, all that. Will you guys be making your own sausage? Oh yeah, all the sausage. All the sausage. Yeah. <laughs> like, give me, give me, give me some, give me some examples. Like, what kind of? Are you doing wacky combos or kind of classic ones? We're gonna start pretty classic. Because we're going to ease the Upper West Side into our situation. So like kielbasa, hot Italian, sweet Italian, bratwurst, all those kind of standards. Hot dogs. Yeah. We're going to make a chicken dog, which is really exciting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but I think there's some weird stuff that we're going to do eventually. Well, the guys at the Meat Hook in Brooklyn, they have success with introducing oh, some yeah. wacky flavors. Big you ever had the cheeseburger one there where they have like oh, the yeah. cheese and Bacon stuff? Bacon cheeseburger. The, yeah, it's, that's a pretty good sausage. It like, certainly is. This is kind of genius. Um, <laughs> so you're working with April Bloomfield, um, who's a you know a famous fancy pants chef. She's not fancy. She's not fancy pants, but she's very su- very successful. Right. Yes. yes chef. Absolutely. Um, and is that that must be pretty cool in terms of having her support to do interesting, yummy food and and take a few risks. I imagine. Yeah. I mean, the fact that she'll kind of you know, jump through all these hoops to do the right thing protein-wise, I just, I'm still blown away by, you know, because Erica was at the Breslin and took that burger whole animal, and then I was at Salvation Burger, and that was a whole animal situation. Um, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's really inspiring that she's not like, oh, well, I'll just do it the easy way and, like, have really great margins. You know what I mean? Like, she's really committed to doing the right thing, which is awesome, and she's brilliant. Yeah, she's great. And and so so you guys will, the Butcher shop, you'll have a retail element. You'll have food that you'll be making throughout the day that people mm-hmm. can come and yep. sit down and eat. But you'll also be supplying the meat for, to April, to the Breslin and Spotted Pig and stuff. Yeah. yeah, And Salvation. And yeah. So then that's a big wholesale operation. So it'll be a busy shop. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Like what kind of hours are you going to keep? I mean – it somewhat seems like someone's gonna be butchering all the time. We're never sleeping. <laughs> yeah. um, no, we're. I think breakfast starts at seven thirty in the morning, and the latest dinner goes is what eleven thirty. Yeah, at night. How many seats? Thirty eight inside and twenty outside during the warmer season. What's gonna be the number one breakfast item? Do you think? I mean, I'm a big sausage, egg, and cheese gal, so I'm really banking on that one. Okay, and then uh, what about desserts? You guys doing desserts there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some really awesome stuff. Being you just gonna like make it up right now, like in the next 13 days? <laughs> no, no, I mean there's... these are all great questions for April. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. um, we should have had her on. Dial we her, put her on the ground. We could text her right I now. I mean, there's probably gonna be like an eclair situation. Yep. Maybe like a black forest cake situation. I'm trying to get my mother's poppy seed bread on the menu. Oh, that's cool. Which is super delicious. Um, 
I also heard. Sorry. To no, it's fine. In, but you know, since you guys are just making stuff up right now, I'm just going to shut up. Yeah, yeah. Do it. <laughs> I, I heard that you guys are making your own cold cuts. Is that true? Oh, yes. Oh, kind yeah. Of? Definitely. Yeah. No, like, all of them. All the ham, the roast beef, pastrami, lamb so you're, bacon. You're doing all that. Like, yep. you're, so you're like brining and curing and all that sort of stuff yeah. and smoking, perhaps? Or? Oh, yeah. We have a gangster smoker. Super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. A whole log Southern Pride, which is super exciting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So like yesterday we did our last test batch of pastrami. I'm getting really serious about this corned meat. Will you guys be doing any sort of, I could, I probably could go on all day. Any sort of like hero situations, submarine sandwiches, hoagies, grinders as they call them? Yes, absolutely. We're looking at some really awesome like Italian uh, like seated loafs yeah you need to you you understand you have to get yeah. a proper hero no, role i'm on yes. that me yes. and arthur avenue are like okay really really close will you right do now. like oil and vinegar and that sort of stuff or oh yeah yeah interesting <laughs> will you have any of those like the one of those fancy what are the really expensive meat slicers called oh yeah we got the that. burkle hand burkle? slicer They're like nine thousand dollars or something uh, yeah. you got I, one of those up, yeah. up front totally. looking all fancy the red one or yeah they made me give up an entire employee to get one of those well it was worth it yeah i think so it's yeah. an employee in and of itself right yeah, the amount of work that Burkle would do. Yeah. Doesn't complain, doesn't want to raise, yeah. doesn't want a promotion. No, and you get time. extra extra yeah. exercise, right? Just... Yeah, because it's hand cranked. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. That's what, yeah, working for Ken in April. They they will invest in the good stuff. Certainly. Um, yeah. Okay, what about, like, will you be doing French fries or anything? No. No, no. potato salad? No. There's got to be sides. You can't ha- not no, have we're sides. Having, no, we're having sides. so many sides. sides. Potato chips? Well, no. so the, are there potatoes anywhere in the restaurant? Literally, the most potatoes. April loves her potatoes. So, so what kind of potatoes? The the potato thing that I'm the most excited about is like a really thinly sliced potato that we're kind of pressing into a hotel pan, cooking in beef fat, and then you slice Ooh. and throw in the fryer. See, we have things together. It's like a potato brownie, kind of. Yes, exactly. Totally. That like a Palm awesome. Anna yeah, type yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does yeah. it have a name? Have you branded that one yet? You got to brand it. No. You could call it a potato brownie if you want. Potato blondie. <laughs> it's like a potato Ooh, blondie. Cute. Oh, there you yeah. go. That's cute. Um, we do what? also have a really awesome rotisserie that we're working with for Ooh. our chickens. Like one of those fancy French ones? Or? Um, yeah. It's a rotisol, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, but that actually comes with like these little baskets that go under the spit that catches oh, all that the like delicious. The yeah. So we're putting potatoes in there. How do you, what, My question, cool. when you put the potatoes in there, how... So they're they, they're cooking off the heat from the wall of the. I know they're catching the drippings, but then you know. Yes. So wall heat, and also you have to fill up like this. This is not glamorous no. in the least, but you have to fill up a little pan of water in the bottom, and that kind of radiates really? heat as well. Oh, Steams yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But then I imagine every now and then someone's got to shake the potatoes so the ones on the top and the bottom get an equal distribution of drippings yeah. and stuff. And the burkle yeah. does that, right? Yeah. The burkle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. So, all right. So we got sausage, egg, and cheese. We got potato blondies. Um, you're you got the hero sandwiches. So I assume that does that mean we are doing full service breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Absolutely, that's correct. Yeah. Does dinner get more sit downy, where breakfast and lunch are more cash? Or yeah, exactly. And who's the is it? Who's the is there a designated chef? Yeah. So. Um, April and our chef de cuisine, Robert Flaherty, who used to be at the Breslin. Mm-hmm. He's been at the Dory, at the yep, Pig. Yep. He's he, been around. Yeah, he was also at Marlowe. Um, so he's he's terrific. So they're kind of working um, on developing the dinner menu. 
Yeah. Um, but primarily like, you know, steaks, chops, a bunch of sides. Um, we're trying to make it, you know, since it's very meaty already, mm -hmm. right, which yeah. is unavoidable. So we're actually bringing in a ton of vegetables from the farmer's market, yeah. you know. Yeah. Will you do any, because in April her last book was Girl Under Greens, right. vegetable yes. focused. Um, so she has a way with those. Will you do any sort of meaty um, techniques on vegetables, like the chefs will do like the cauliflower steak or those sort of things? You're like, no. You know, I think that Maybe. there's going to be some bigger vegetable items that get thrown into the rotisserie Ooh, and almost cooked nice. as if it yeah, were yeah, a chicken. Yeah. Yeah. What's his name? Does it at Narcissa? He does the uh, the beets on the rotisserie. Oh. Uh, John Fraser. Yeah. I, Those like, are good. We've all kind of been talking about like celery root, right? Ooh, yeah. Or mm -hmm. like smoked cabbage in the smoker, like mm -hmm. all that kind of good stuff. Because yep. I don't really like trying to make vegetables look like meat necessarily like I think they're delicious and dope they're and, awesome yeah and they can kind of be what they are you know what I mean yeah um, alright guys before we let you go we're gonna hit you with the lightning round alright either or questions guys are all guys are all and either <laughs> either or of you can answer hanger or skirt 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 Absolutely. How do, you, how do you like to do it? And having been in L.A., that's like a L.A. sort of thing. Like, right? Yeah, definitely. I go for a screaming hot pan, uh, set your oven to 350, and um, a little bit of fat in the pan, right? Get a good solid sear on it. Salt goes a long way. And yep. then just as soon as it gets brown, straight into the oven. Let it roll for maybe six, seven minutes, and that's it. That's it. Do you Pull like to out, do a chimichurri or anything with it? or? You know, I... I'm a purist mm -hmm. when it comes to nice. steaks. Yeah. Salt, a little bit, bit of pepper to finish, maybe a little bit of aged balsamic. That's right. about it. Cool. Cleaver or saw? Oh, God, that depends. Both of them kind of scare me, I'll be honest with you. Don't be scared. They're amazing. <laughs> I mean, like, if you're, if you're, ugh, it just depends on what you're doing. I mean, like, you If you only had one, you had to make do with one. Oh, saw. Saw, really? Wow. Yeah. Like the hacksaw sort of thing. That, yeah. That's the one thing that freaks me out. When I go to Florence Meat Market, where they bring the saw out, and you get that <laughs> sort of thing going on. It sounds like that. <laughs> it gets weird. They're sawing through, and the bone, and you're yeah. like, oh, this is a part I don't want to see. Yeah. And then they crack it, and then, yeah, that sort of oh, thing. Oh, see, that is such a satisfying sound to me. Because it means you're doing it right. It's you true. You know what I mean? It's true. Yeah. It's true. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a cleaver gal, honestly. Um, I have a little love affair going with my beautiful cleaver. So, uh, Italian sausage, sweet or spicy? Spicy, spicy. I can't do the spicy; it gives me heartburn. We are just giving you all the wrong answers. <laughs> oh, you're today. giving the right <laughs> answers. Um, okay, how about pate or riette? Riette. I think pate. Oh, I was going to say riette's kind of. If, if, if the listener has not, have, for those who have not had riette, how would you describe riette? Uh, for those of you who know how to confit, right? Mm -hmm. It's taking kind of like a, you know, a pretty fatty working muscle. Shoulder muscles tend to be really great. Um, hawks too. Uh, you're going to submerge it in fat and you're going to cook it at a very low temperature for a very, very long time until it just kind of melts. Falls apart. Yeah. And shreds. Exactly. And then you work some of that rendered fat back mm. into the meat, right? Yeah. And then you can actually pack it in like a little container and it's actually a wonderful way to preserve meat. Yeah, so you get that little cap of fat on the top, and it's, yeah. like, exactly. it's, it's like meat spread. Oh yeah, that's exactly. so good. And you do that little cornichon. Oh hell yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not not anywhere above a riet sandwich, which is Ooh. maybe the most fattening thing in the world. Never it's had so a riet sandwich, dude. With it like sounds... some jam and a little bit of greens. I think you jam. made me that one. Yeah, yeah. 
Ooh. Yeah. That's good. Look at that. Like, that's, wow. L.A. or New York? New York. New York. See ya, L.A. Chicken pot pie or rotisserie chicken? Pie. Rotisserie chicken. I mean, I hate to be it, but the guy like the, your basic $10 rotisserie chicken, you always like, how can this be so good and so affordable? That's and what I'm saying. Yeah. It's so good. You just want to like rip that skin right off. Well, it's your first bite. Oh, my God. Right? See, I just want to eat all of the pot pie crust. Ooh, that's Like, too. that's really the this only- This might be a tie. Are yeah. you guys going to sell pot pies? You should sell pot pies. Certainly. We will. Yeah. And hand pies, too. They're really- Ooh, and hand pies. Yeah. What kind of hand pies? I think there's like a like, potato and onion with fontina cheese. Nice. There is- There'll be a veggie one, and then there'll be a beef shin one. Mm-hmm. The beef shin. Beef one. shin. You might want to rebrand that. People see beef shin, and they're not like, mmm, shin. <laughs> shank. Shank. Yeah, beef shank. Shank yeah. sounds better. People okay. know shank. All right, we're going to do a riff on the last question, which we always do all over butter, but I'm going to all over butter. Instead, I'm going to ask you lard or schmaltz? Oh, schmaltz. Me too, schmaltz. Roasting vegetables with schmaltz is maybe the best thing in the world. Will you guys sell containers of schmaltz and lard? At yeah, the shop? certainly. We'll do stocks, schmaltz, all animal fats, dog food, dog treats. Everything. Crispy yeah. chicken skin. Mm. All right, guys. Thank you very much for coming. And listeners, go check out White Gold on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Us. This podcast has been brought to you by Carrie Polis, Emma Wurtzman, and Lily Sherman, with editing by Mitra Kaboli. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Gradies. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Plus, we're also offering a deal with our podcast listeners. Go to bonappetit.com slash gift to see what we have. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.